Welcome to Oak Tree Pet Pod, the podcast from Oak Tree Animals Charity, keeping you up to date with life at the charity. Through these podcasts, we will introduce you to some of our animals and our animal stories, discuss current animal welfare issues with our team and invited guests, and give you an insight into life in a UK animal charity. I'm Caroline Johnson, General Manager at Oak Tree, and my team and I look forward to sharing our experiences and thoughts with you throughout our podcasts. If you have any questions or topics you would like us to cover, please email them to info at oaktreeanimals.org.uk and we'll do our best to answer them. In this episode, we will be exploring the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on animal welfare in our region, how it may affect animal welfare in the near future, and how we as a charity can respond to these challenges, and how pet owners can prepare for life after lockdown. Today I'm joined by Gemma, who's our canine behaviour and training advisor, Gina, who is our small animal team leader, and Kaz, who's our head of animal welfare. So Kaz, how are you seeing COVID affecting animal welfare in our area? Okay, so since the, the lockdown started, we've seen an increase in need for our help with food parcels, for example, but what we've also seen is a decline in the need for rehoming, but I'm sure that's going to change very soon. And what do you think is going to be the trigger for that? I think the trick for that will definitely be people going back to work and resuming a kind of normal life after lockdown. Once the kids are back in school, um, people will have less time to spend on the animals in their care. Absolutely. And I think at the start of lockdown, we started to see an increase in dogs having to adapt to humans being at home in lockdown. And we started to see some interesting behaviours coming through. Sort of what, what do you think might cause that? We had quite a few calls about dogs being a bit more hyper and they were like, I can't get my dog to settle. Obviously, a lot of people's dogs were used to having downtime to themselves and then all of a sudden being having their humans thrust upon them for 25 years. <laughs> quite intense for them and it's caused a few behavioural reactions that people weren't expect. It was the dog was hyper all day and how exhausting that must be for that dog and for those people. Because dogs need a surprisingly large amount of sleep don't they? A lot of rest time. Yeah they need about 14 to 16 hours every single day so obviously they don't really typically sleep the whole time that you're asleep for your whole eight hours so they'll be up and down and up and down and through the daytime I mean my girl naps all the time and she's a spaniel. I mean when she's awake she's awake but (laughs) she does take naps and when she doesn't nap I know it because she's worse behaved, she's less focused. It is like having a small child that's not had a nap. So what we've started, what we saw at the start of lockdown was obviously the behaviour changes and animals having to cope with us being around a lot more and not having that rest time. So has that started to settle down? Not really. Most people, it's for some dogs it has escalated where as obviously people have been together for such a concentrated amount of time that they've started having arguments in the house. Yeah, the dogs have kind of felt all of that tension and then the dogs are even worse behaved a lot of people have been contacting me that their recall is out of the window because their dogs have been on lead for so long now they've started letting them off again and their dogs just I'm outside and I'm off lead and isn't coming back anymore so if someone's in that situation let's take the first bit of people maybe in the house having escalated voices and arguments increasing what could they do to try and to prevent that happening prevent that dog getting so stressed or maybe reduce that arousal level I think for you it's giving them that designated downtime and channeling their energy appropriately so even they're not getting out for the same amount of exercise they're not getting that rest so provide them with that opportunity to rest provide them with an activity that's going to use their brain it doesn't have to be anything big and fancy and expensive there's loads of free options that you can just have a quick google i've fed my girl her food her breakfast came to her in the <laughs> inside of the toilet roll it's for the food inside folded the ends over and that took her 20 minutes she shredded some cardboard and got that excitable energy out of her in a way that was totally fine for me you think providing um, areas as well where the dogs can be away from the family is beneficial absolutely yeah because 
otherwise they're stuck around. I mean, everybody as a person likes to have their own time to themselves, and it's the same for their dogs. They don't, they're not used to having you there that much and for such a long time. That just giving them that one space where they know they can go to, especially in a house that's busy with young children, you know, giving them that space to calm down and the kids know, dog's in bed, leave it alone, let it calm down, and giving them that outlet to be calming. Absolutely, and Gina, particular, I think even in kennel environment, when a dog comes in, it has to settle, doesn't it, and start to adjust to a kennel environment. We have to, because there are people around a lot more, perhaps again, during the day that they wouldn't be, we have a downtime system. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, like you say, when the dogs come in, usually pretty worked up, pretty upset, pretty stressed. So we try as much as possible to counteract that. We're giving them, like, cabin activities, like Gemma was saying, she does with Suki with the cardboard, like snuffle mat, stuff like that. And then between 12 and 1, when we're having our lunch, nobody goes in the kennel, so they get that quiet time during the day it's also the re- like main reason why we don't allow the public walking around the kennels just because it winds them up they never rest one dog starts barking they all start doing it i mean since the kennels have shut we've seen dramatic reduction in stress diarrhea vomiting um the dogs are just sort of calmer and happier it's made a huge difference hasn't yeah. it in terms of that they're all able and, and the ability to rehome them yeah um, they're, re- they're in a much less stressed state so they're much easier to rehome and they find loving homes much quicker which is really important i think for everyone coronavirus has been quite an emotional situation and I think there have been stories that have probably touched a lot of the staff that have come through I mean I know the one that I will remember is we obviously run a fostering program for and we have done for about a year now for those who are fleeing domestic violence or those who are experiencing homelessness who want to get back on their feet so they can get into a refuge because refugees tend not to allow pets so we provide six months of fostering so people can get back on their feet and knowing that they're not going to lose that companion but we had at the start of lockdown we had some phone calls from key workers who want to go and do their jobs they love what they do they want to help that's why they do their jobs but they were concerned they alone and had no family in the area and by going to their job they obviously put themselves at risk and what would happen to their pet in that situation and I know one of the calls that we got was this lady saying what what can I do is are there any options so as a team we got together and said actually could we extend this fostering helping poor program to try and allow that to happen so allow them so we can say to key workers should anything happen to you should you be hospitalized we can provide you with that six months of fostering of care and should heaven forbid the worst happens to you your dog could come into our pet guardianship scheme and be rehomed and find a loving new home through our team and I think that's a story that will always touch me because we had a couple of people sign up from that and I think they certainly felt it meant the world to them to have that option I mean have you seen any other stories that have really touched you where people have had to give up pets or have you seen any pets coming through perhaps as a result of Covid? Well so we had uh, yes Eska and the kittens that came in just at the start of lockdown so it was a family who were from the continent living here but obviously they never kicked off had to go back home and left mum and kittens but they notified the landlord and the landlord then got in touch with us they were able to go in and get mum and kittens and they've all now got really happy loving homes suppose that resonates a wee bit more i mean i can sympathize with them because i mean my dad same same situation really so he's italian his business literally collapsed um, just before shutdown and about two weeks ago he went back to italy because there was nothing for him here yeah he didn't mm-hmm. have work didn't have, you know, he was trapped and had no, nothing to do, nowhere to go, nowhere to keep busy. So he's away, he's away back to Italy. So I can completely sympathise with those sorts of situations where people have gone home in a terrifying situation. 
Yeah, and I think and knowing that there's a charity that can come, we we can pick that up and actually find homes for those kittens because all of those are found homes, haven't they? Now. Oh, they're doing great! Oh my god, they're doing amazing! Yeah. We've seen some fabulous photos of Villanelle, sort of mm-hmm. who's been adopted, who's been a beautiful tortoiseshell kitten who has been playing. And follow our Instagram if you're on our Instagram page, you will see photos of Villanelle jumping around. And yeah. I think it's on Twitter as well, hasn't she? She's made it to Twitter. There's as a well. lovely um, on the Facebook the post that we had of Villanelle. All the other owners sort of put photos up and we're chatting to each other oh. on the. Oh, check out! Check out our social media. I think it's just this because we, we, you really will start to see some of the amazing stories that we I think have. With that story as well, one of the nice things with that is what we have found with um, the lockdown is people being in a position to foster for us. Yeah, and having that extra time to, to think that they could offer a foster home to a cat or a dog. And certainly with with Sescom and the three kittens, we were really lucky that a lady came forward, finding herself working from home, who was prepared to take them on and socialise them and get them ready to, to go on and be rehomed and, and make it as successful as we've had so many people come forward during Amazing. lockdown which has been fantastic um, and we're hoping hoping to keep some of them going forward <laughs> um, it but it's been brilliant because traditionally it's been quite challenging to find kitten fosterers and I, I think we've got two lists of kittens out at the moment we've got one who was the socialised with Sesco at that point but we've also got a hat lit of hand rears and they're always quite challenging to find a foster care for because it requires four hour feeds even during the night so it requires sort of losing sleep for several hours and we've had a foster who came forward and they're really thriving as well so there have been some benefits to people having time to really start learning new skills um, and we're hoping that people will come forward and say actually I'd like to continue being a kitten foster carer and we can train those accordingly. I think certainly if, if we're going to continue with homeworking for the foreseeable future it will give us more options mm. in terms of that it will also give us more problems as Gemma was saying earlier with people being home all the time but it, the advantage, the flip side of that, is that people will be available to help the charity in, in those sort of ways. And I think that's really, really valid point in the fact that homeworking will become a way of life in the UK. However, there will be some people, as we come out of lockdown, who will still need to go back to the office. Their, their work can't be done from home. We've recently seen some interesting reports from other animal charities and um, other studies coming through where we think that there may be some options with particularly dogs as we come out of lockdown and they're suddenly left alone again. So, Gemma, do you want to tell us a little bit about what might happen? Yeah, I mean, dogs- Dogs typically don't cope too well with sudden changes mm. to routine anyway and separation anxiety is such a common problem and this is going to just facilitate that problem because the dog's used to you being home all the time and then obviously some people have returned to work at literally a day's notice and they're back to full time and the dog goes from having you there 24 hours a day for three whole months to nothing at all which is quite a change for them because they're not going back to work and having something to do they're back to total isolation. Absolutely, and what does separation anxiety mean? It's a phrase that we hear a lot, but what does it actually mean? Uh, it basically is your dog being stressed about being left alone. So when they're by themselves, they just build up on their own anxiety of the fact that nobody's there, and they can display certain behaviours that aren't always the most suitable, but it can range from anything from just pacing and panting to complete destruction of your entire house, really. Yeah. So some dogs can sort of deal with it fairly well, if, if, if anxiety can be dealt with it, in terms of in a human aspect. And it can lead to big vocalisational problems and destruct. It becomes a real issue for house house owners, doesn't it? Yeah, it becomes a real issue, and I think it does lead into why a lot of landlords are more reluctant to let pets in because obviously it's such a big problem and mm. it's quite a difficult one to fix because you're not there in person to fix it. Mm. And it's one we actually see reason for relinquishment as well, don't we? 
I'd say it's probably one of the top five reasons, mm. partly because of the destructive behaviour that they can have, but also because of complaints from neighbours yeah, when they start definitely. howling and, and crying for eight hours a day while they're waiting for people to come back home. And then people get put under pressure because they yeah. do have, if, it, if it's complaint to councils, then they may get orders and to, to reduce it. And actually, what do they do? They rehome their dog. Particularly so difficult for people who are renting. And as Gemma says, you know, it makes it harder for us to, to canvas for landlords to allow pets. Yeah, because that's one of the big projects that our community yeah. team are trying to work on. It, it, it's a big barrier. So if you are one of the people who can't homework and you have to return to work, what would you advise, Gemma, to anybody who's in that situation? How can they start to ease their pet out of lockdown? What could they do? Start now. The anxiety for separation doesn't start when you leave, it starts before you've even left. The chain of events that you do before anybody leaves the house, your dog knows before you've left that you're going to leave, <laughs> whether it's the fact that you came down. Like, my dog knows if I'm in my oak tree uniform, she's like, that means you've got treats. So I'm <laughs> getting mugged, but if I come down in non-black, she's like, oh, you're, you're at home today, so no treats are on you right now. So it's that, like, your dog knows when you put certain coats on. We had a woman who called because her dog was having real issues with overexcitement before yeah. it went for walks, but she had her routine that she came down in her pyjamas and she had her breakfast, then she got dressed, and the minute she came downstairs dressed, the dog went mental. So we just flipped the whole routine and she got dressed before she came down. So when she came down, the dog was really excited, but she actually was having breakfast first. So it went, wait, what? And it started to calm down. So the things that were setting it off slowly stopped setting it off. And it's the same for separation, you know, start now, pick up your car keys. And it's, you'll see your dog go, oh my gosh, you picked up the car keys and then just put them back down. Put your coat on, take your coat off, change the way you do things during the day so that your dog can't anticipate and build up that anxiety before you've even left. Yeah, so it's mixing up your routine, isn't it? So nothing <laughs> yeah. is too predictable in that respect. Should should you be looking at how you adjust your house and how should you be doing sort of small separations or maybe gates, using gates at all? Could that be helpful? Absolutely, yeah. We've just rehomed a boy with separation anxiety and they utilised baby gates. I mean, we discovered pretty quickly that depending where you put them, he can jump them. <laughs> <laughs> but they've been tweaking what they did for him, putting the baby gate in so that he gets given a some calming activity to do like a Kong or a snuffle mat or a licky mat or something like that to stimulate his natural calming behaviours by himself and they've just been in the other room. They haven't even left, they've just been in the other room. Yeah. And it's playing with what your dog likes. So some dogs when they have a whole run of the house can find it way too much and overwhelming. Whereas if they're in a crate and they've been trained to be in that crate and be happy in it, they find that soothing. Whereas others find it stressful. So it's working out what's best for your dog absolutely and this isn't a punishment is it it's really important no. this isn't a punishment no. i was going to say would you suggest as well that people start thinking about going out without their dogs leaving them for increasing lengths of, of time in preparation for going back to work oh absolutely yeah it's it's baby steps and that's why the gates are so good or just even giving them something to do in a different room because that's the very first start of it that they can see you but they can't quite get to you or they're just on the other side of a door and it's not not actually left them but yeah, build it up nice and slowly so that your dog doesn't just suddenly get left for four hours after nothing. And I think this also applies to some of our cats in some respects as well, although perhaps not the gated community part. <laughs> cats tend not to be so good at being gated. But it, it, it's about making sure your cat has space, has time and somewhere high to sit because obviously cats like to be up high. Mm -hmm. So as lockdown descended, 
and people were at home or it's like oh okay what are we doing so you found cats disappearing to tops of bookcases and just trying to take themselves off and it's just making sure they've got that space and again as they've got used to be having people around and started to get it, it's sort of easing that pressure a little bit and looking at different activities that they can do as well it's equally as valid for cats as for dogs in terms of people being home all day with the households being busier, noisier, cats not being able to rest. They also like to sleep 16 to 18 hours a day and find it really stressful if, if they can't get away. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's just as important for the cat owners as the dog owners to understand the impact of lockdown. People who are inquiring about adoptions day and they've been working from home and they're going to continue working from home, yeah. so their life has now changed to the point where they can have a dog I mean whereas they couldn't before yeah and, yeah. and I'm very jealous because that's the situation me and my partner are in and yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> we got, we've got the cats so they keep us busy but, but it's got loads of potential to find great new loving homes absolutely for, and solve some of the problems we were seeing before where people weren't able to necessarily get the pet they wanted yeah. because of their work situation yeah and it's actually maybe opens up some doors to some of those dogs that do suffer separation anxiety so it opens up a few options I think one of the other big issues that we're, ex- we're possibly anticipating is a larger increase in number of kittens this year. With lockdown, obviously vets had no option but to prioritise emergency treatments only and routine neutering wasn't always able to be done. So we've already started to see our kitten, some kittens coming through, but we are anticipating a few more kittens this year. Yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because we said in the last podcast, last year kitten season hit us really late, but we've already started getting them in now. And you can see on the, like, the Facebook lost cat groups and lost pet groups... Oh, they're all wandering. There's Tom's yowling at doors and scratching at windows, and yeah, a lot more strays coming. So they're going to be a lot more babies on the way. Yeah, I think some of our intake calls as well that that's come across when we've been discussing the behaviour of the cats in the home, and people are saying that the cats are presenting as being stressed. What they're actually presenting as is being in season and calling, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and they are stressed because they can't get out to get at the tomcats or have the tomcats get at them, <laughs> uh, and and that's causing these sort of agonistic behaviours in the home as well. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're going to see some interesting things, and that will obviously affect us as a charity because we'll have an increased number of kittens, which is always uh, people love a kitten, but actually it does cause problems in the fact that we can end up with just huge numbers needing homes mm. and actually we just don't have the space in the centre to be able to do that so it's a big problem that you have to manage don't you Gina? Yeah absolutely because we've, I mean, we've got three or four like sort of creches that we can dedicate to kittens mm. but that can fill up very quickly with you know I mean last year we had about six or seven groups yeah. of kittens in so at that point fundraising very kindly had a nice big crate in the office and looked after a couple we had them in community office as well and yeah just anywhere we could find space for them so it does get tough and obviously with a large number of kittens we do tend to find actually that if we've got lots of kittens in the category our delightful golden oldies get overlooked oh god um, because everyone comes in and thinks yay there's a kitten it's gorgeous and they are gorgeous I mean they're jumping they're running they're oh they're just divine however some of our, what, what happens to the older cats? They, they do, do they get overlooked, absolutely. And it's interesting because quite a lot of the time we see that people think like sort of six is old, is golden, and it's not for a cat, not at all. Six is still a really good age. But it is, I mean, my, my old guy's 20 and yeah. he's still roaming around the site and saying hello to everybody. So, I mean, do the older ones do get overlooked when we've got kittens in. But, I mean, you, you actually chat to people and you say, look, adult cat, you'll meet it and you'll see what you're getting. Yeah. All kittens are cute, playful, cuddly. They don't always 
end up that way when they you know, mature. In terms of us as a charity, it's been an interesting time with COVID. We've seen a huge rise in community need through our food bank work. We've always worked with alongside Colal Food Bank to make sure that pet food is available for those who, who need that support. However, COVID saw a huge increase in demand for food banks and accordingly it sort of went to our work as well. And what we started to see that we needed to support other food banks to try and make sure that people can access food during this period of temporary hardship so the need has increased. Whereas in March we were giving out 60 parcels a month and previously about 60 parcels a month for food banks that completely jumped in April to over 200 and I think that was something that really has been a big challenge for us make sure the food is in the right place we've really really gone to help people in our region but I think that's been a big challenge for us to make sure that we can support our community through this time of need I was just thinking you're saying this is a, a temporary challenge and I'm not sure it's going to be I think that's uh, very fair actually. I, yes. I think as the government furlough scheme ends so there, there will be businesses that will find it harder to retain mm. their staff we might be looking at more people being out mm. of work which means that this increased need for our assistance with food parcels may well That's continue been. for quite some time i completely and utterly agree i really hope that this isn't the case but i i don't think we our need the need that people have for us is going to lessen in the near future and as we always do we will continue to respond as we spot need to our community so whether that's through food parcels whether that's through the neutering support that we offer we have obviously the veterinary support we have the uh, pet guardianship scheme and our behaviour programme and obviously ultimately our rehoming programme but I think we're going to have a interesting the rest of the year just to try and make sure that we can support those people that really need us but it's also affected us in other ways. We had to shut our site. And, and that's going to be the big challenge is, is going to be how do we how, how do we increase our revenue mm. building capabilities at a time when everybody else is struggling, mm. when all of the parameters for operating your business have changed. Mm. It's that's gonna be a really big challenge in getting the numbers back in, getting our tea room back open. Absolutely. I mean, in April, uh, we had to shut obviously our tea room, our charity shops, our site. Everything. Every, every, literally, our income disappeared, um, other than through our really generous donors who have really come together for us and been supporting us online and doing fundraisers and sending checks. So thank you so much for your support. But all of our trading income stopped. So we've got, we've got this challenge of increased demand for our services and people needing our help. But what we're seeing is obviously less revenue and obviously less people because as everyone else did, we had to adopt the furlough scheme as well to make sure that we were able to retain our workshop force our staff and our volunteers are absolutely amazing but our, our staff are experts in their field that they really do work hard and we wanted to make sure that we were able to obviously to continue to offer the best support we can possibly do to our region so we had to use a furlough scheme and so we've been doing this work with about 70% of the staff if, if actually at one point we went down to about 50% of staff and we're starting to see that coming back so it has been a huge challenge for us as an charity to keep our resources keep sustainability keep our team and respond to inquiries and thank you to everyone for your patience I mean you have been so patient with us if we haven't got back to 24 hours you've been really understanding um, so we do appreciate that however the great news is that we're going to try and open our site next week so the 17th we are going to try and open our site on a Wednesday to Sunday uh, 1 till 4 however rehoming will have to be by prior appointment how will rehoming work Gina? so I mean really because like you said before we're on a much smaller team and we've had a, a massive increase in demand for adoptions like it's just it's gone through the roof so 
it's been really challenging for us to try and keep up with everyone and reply to everyone. Um, so going forward, it's going to be a case of people keep an eye on the website. As soon as they see an animal they like and matches their home requirements, they can then get in touch with us and then we'll call them back and have a chat about the animal, talk them through what our rehoming process is, because again, the rehoming process has changed a lot of times during the shutdown. <laughs> it's adapted to every government announcement that Absolutely. we know is on <laughs> so it's it's it has it's been tweaked each week as we've been going on. It will be people will phone, we'll discuss the animal, and if we've got a good match in, then we, they can come in and do viewing, social distancing, applying. But yeah, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do walk-ins anymore because we just don't have the resources, and it's there's no way to safely do it really with the distance. And that's the key thing is we want to keep our visitors safe, our adopters safe, our volunteers safe, and our staff safe. Yeah. So this just trying to work out how the best to do it. And bear with us, is this will change as we start to address and, and see different things happening and different government announcements develop. So it's a sort of organic process, let's call it that, yeah. shall we? Let's call it an organic <laughs> process. Um, and we really do appreciate everyone's patience with that. So Gemma, if you had to give your top three things, if you've got a dog for preparing to come out of lockdown, what would they be? Start now. Definitely. Ensure they have a space to be calm and be safe and be by themselves a little bit. Use what you've got. So you've got the availability to leave for five minutes and pop back when you go, when you start going back to work, you won't have that anymore. If you've got the inside of a toilet roll to use for enrichment, use it. If you've got multiple people in the household, you know, get them all out because a lot of the time in houses where it's more than just one or two people, the dog's not been alone at all through this lockdown. Get everyone involved in the household and just get training straight away. Absolutely. And if people do have individual issues, how can they contact you? Yeah, they can give me a shout. It's the training email for Oaktree. So it's training at oaktreeanimals.org.uk. Fabulous. So although coronavirus has provided us with a number of challenges, actually there is hope that there a lot we can do. We are a nation of animal lovers and I think there's a lot that we can do. And although there will be surprises, actually there's a lot of real positive elements for animals in our region. I hope so. I hope it's given people a chance to re-evaluate the time that they spend with their animals and hopefully appreciate them a little bit more. A huge thank you to all our supporters who make all of this happen. You are truly amazing. In our next episode, we will be exploring the work of our equine team. If you have any questions you would like answered, please do email them to us at info at oaktreeanimals.org.uk. Thank you so much for listening to Pet Pod. We hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.